dude is classy. He got good vocabulary. <laughs> He's got, he looks good, you know. Yeah, per se, but no. I'm I, assuming you were thinking that, though. But no, it's, you, there's never a perfect time, right, for, like, when you make big leaps, and I think sometimes you just have to be opportunistic, and when things present themselves, right. you got to react, so it is what it is. And we got to at least dig in and find out more information about it so that yeah. we can make an educated decision. Of, yeah. yeah, hey, let's go forward with this or let's not. For sure. So, I don't know. It'll be good. One thing we do need to do, though, as we're – going through and doing businesses. And this is something that I'm working on pretty hard. And I think you're working on too, but we have to get really good at saying no. Yeah. Because there are always going to be a lot of opportunities to come and we need to figure out and sift through which ones are going to take us from here to where we need to be over the next short term and long term. And we need to think about both of those at all times so that we can really get to where we want to be. Cause lots of things it's like, this is going to be great short term but it might totally screw up stuff, long-term stuff. So anyways, we'll kind of be figuring all that kind of stuff out. Um, But uh, dude, we've been getting a crap ton of snow. Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, I went, I went last night, I went skiing last night and um, it it was warmer day. Is it still pretty decent snow or did it get kind of crusty? No. So it warmed up and kind of softened it. Yeah, but then cooled down. But then it cooled down. Yeah. And the snow was fast. Oh nice. It was fast. It was it was really fun. So um I got my my lessons that I teach, I got them to go down uh at Nordic. There's one green run that goes down the whole thing. Mm -hmm. It took us the whole two hours to get down it. Like that's how (laughs) slow. And so but I used uh I used that phrase um that Matt said. Mm. Um Trust the speed. Trust the speed. And so yeah. I, I tell them to try to trust the speed and it's like, it's okay to go down. And, you know, like you're going to have real estate that's going to flatten out so yeah. you can go fast. Because if you go slow and then you make it to all that real estate, you're going to be walking. Yeah, yeah. You know, so like use that momentum to get through that flat stuff. So yeah. yeah, trust the speed. Trust the speed. That's, it's funny. Something that Matt had mentioned, we're talking about Matt Frisbee, um, but something that Matt had mentioned is, he was the one that was kind of causing himself to crash a ton. He was on the snowboard and it was because he was kind of a little bit flat. And it's interesting. I think lots of times in life we get kind of nervous about something and it's just like mountain biking or anything. If you're mountain biking, you're not looking at the rocks. You're not trying to hit because where you're looking is where you're going to go. And so kind of the same thing. Like if you trust the speed, um, I don't know, like that's when you get hurt doing jumps or anything. Like you're in the middle of a backflip and you see people freeze and land on their head. It's because they're thinking about it too much and they're not like just trusting it. Right. They're worried about the crashing and, and the burning, and then that's what they end up doing. Yep. Yeah. So. Nice. When are you getting back up there? Uh, so um, so this weekend, I'm going to be going to the Salt Lake Resort. So when I have my kids, I go to Nordic, and I take them, and we uh, have this little I have this little follow the leader little group with me and <laughs> nice. four kids following me around. <laughs> Heck yeah. And then on the weekends, I don't have my kids. I, me and my wife, we go to the big Salt Lake Resorts and... Yeah, because you got the icon pass. Yep. Nice. Yep, and go explore, so. Yeah, sweet. I don't know when I'm going again. I need to plan it. It's Friday, so. Well, I, have I you noticed Have you noticed when you drive over the pass, North Hogan Divide, there's tracks everywhere. People are backcountry skiing everywhere. Yeah, you were telling me. I actually haven't been skinning in a few weeks. I need to get up there. Yeah. I should go tomorrow morning. And then. I'm um, going to go tomorrow morning. 
there's a lot of there's a lot of skydivers that are strapping their skis on and they're skiing down in their parachutes. Oh yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> it's pretty cool. That's cool. They do a lot of that down like big and little cottonwood canyons. Uh-huh. Yeah, dude, I want to do that. Anyways, yeah. my wife would kill me if I started doing that. Then I'd probably start getting into base jumping. And yeah. Well, I even thought about just kite surfing. You know, on the snow. Yeah. That's kind of what it is. So I've actually done that. They did some competitions up at the top of Powder, uh-huh. and they did it so you go out Hidden Lake and you go keep going out, and it's all the flats where they've started to develop now. But they did that, like, way back in the day. So Shannon Best, do you know Shannon Best? So uh-huh. Do you know the S-Bend? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, So yeah. it's named after Shannon Best. Yes. And so okay. that's Best Kites. Anyways, met him up there. It's kind of funny because we should probably get into this pretty soon, but side story. So met him up there. We hung out a couple times, and I wasn't thinking but I don't drink. And he's like, dude, we have a St. Patty's Day party down at this place down in Salt Lake. Like, you should come and hang out with us. And I was like, yeah. So I get down there and they're like trying to hand me drinks. And I wasn't thinking, obviously, that's like, that's a lot of what you do for St. Patrick's Day. That's drink. And I know that, but I just wasn't thinking. I was just like, dude, this is going to be awesome. You're going to go hang out with Shannon. And anyways, it's going to be a good time. But uh, I was there for like an hour and they're like, uh, we're going to go hit some bars, so we'll see you later. We'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> it was just funny. Yeah. But uh, anyways, good dude. Yeah, sweet. So anyways, dude, today we should probably jump into the co- the podcast. Um, so we have Brett Greenwell with us. So I've known Greenwell since I was five. So my dad was in the military. We moved here from Louisiana. We moved a couple different places. We moved here. And just down the street, a couple houses down from Brett. And so knew him there for, I don't know, two and a half years. And then we moved to Georgia. Mm-hmm. And then it was like three years in Georgia. But we were on a temporary deployment is what it's called for the military. And so we knew we were moving back. So my parents didn't sell the house. So they just kept it and rented it out. And so I remember we were coming back and Georgia was awesome. Loved it. Had a lot of good friends. And it's kind of hard when you're moving, especially when you're a kid. I was in elementary school at the time. And we were leaving, but... There are two things, well, a couple of things I was really stoked about. Mountains and skiing. And then I also knew that I was going to be right down the street from Greenwell again. And so it was like, yeah, it was just cool. It was like, all right, leaving some best friends there, but then um, had some best friends here. It, was, it made it so that it was like, I don't know, it was a good trip. Three days we drove across the country back here from Georgia. But uh, kind of stoked the whole time rather than like, oh, I don't know how that's going to be, nervous, whatever. Kind of helps to, to have that. So anyways, came back. Um, it's funny. I was, I was thinking, I was talking to Greenwall a little bit before and he just started laughing. He's like, where did you pull this from? <laughs> this um, bio is incredible. Yeah. And I, I could not have ever come up with any of this stuff for myself, but I, going back to that, I remember you like strolling on up in this sweet Ford, like cream and burgundy van. I want to say. Oh Yeah. And I think it was like the first van I'd ever seen that had captain's chairs. And yeah, I was yeah. like, what is this upgraded, like, piece of machinery? Yeah. And yeah, literally. The so they were like the front seats and the seats right behind them yeah. were captain's chairs. That, like, I remember that, like, pulling on up and, like, <laughs> all you, you know, you guys moving all your stuff. And it was literally like the day you, like, moved there and you, like, walked up the street and we had, like, our little neighborhood crew. And he was like, hey. And I was like, oh, what's up, Jordan? And it was just like that. Like, he was back. Like, three years, no time wasted, just like, and when you're little kids, that's a long time. That's a that's an eternity. But yeah. I just remember it was like, hey, he's back. Cool. And we had a couple of people that kind of got to do that. We had a friend, Blake, Terry, that like went to Mexico for a couple of years. And all of a sudden he came back and it's like, oh, hey. Yep. 
Yeah, the van. That was good. I just remember the van. <laughs> Dude, the van. That was. We have a lot of family in California, and so we'd always go down to Cali. And back then, you didn't always have to have seatbelts like you do now. <laughs> and so. Laws were just guidelines. Yeah, yeah. They were yeah, just, just suggestions. Right in the back of a truck on a yeah. road trip is like normal car, <laughs> you know. Yeah, the far back of that van like folded down into like oh. a full bed. If that makes sense. So, like yeah. behind the last seat, it was actually like a yeah. cushion. And so it slid down, so it was like a big old bed. So we had folded into a bed and turned those chairs around. And so the only two people that were actually in seatbelts were like the driver and the person up in up yeah. in shotgun. But totally safe. Totally, totally Department of Transportation approved. <laughs> I mean, we're all still around. So I, don't I don't know. I don't think it's because of that. I think it's in spite of that. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. But a little bit more about Greenlaw. Oh, no. Yeah. So these are some of the things that I was like, I haven't thought about in forever. But I was like, if I'm going to introduce them, I'm going to kind of like go back. Like Greenlaw's always been involved in sports and that kind of stuff. I remember as we were growing up, he kind of said he wanted to be like a sports agent. And... I think he's a lot closer to his dream than most people when they have a dream when they're a kid and they grow up. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, I still remember I was on a baseball team and I was, I think it was the Cardinals or the Padres. It was just like, okay, cool. Like, you know, MLB name. Brett was playing for the bad boys. Shout out to Randy Chambers. Best (laughs) coach in the world. (laughs) But it was, there could have been a movie made about it because they like dominated everybody. It wasn't like they just won games. They like, they had, like, batting practice, like, at his at his house. He had a batting cage in his backyard. Yeah. So we would have practice, and he had a batting cage. It was seriously like they rolled up and were, like, using borrowed mitts and stuff, and they're, like, in full decked-out uniforms. Like, <laughs> I mean, we were, it's not like we were sponsored or anything like that. We, were just, we had a good team. Like, we lost, they had a like, really good team. We lost, like, three games in, like, five years or something like that. Like, mm. We had a good I team. I think you're being humble. It probably wasn't even that many. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. A, yeah, but it's kids' ball, right? So you're just like, whatever, we're out here to play and have fun. T-ball, hitting off the tee? Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, T-ball, coach pitch all the way through. We had a really good pitcher. Well, I think you guys had the same team, like, for And then we had years. consistency, yeah. We just had the same people, so, yeah. like. And they were really smart, and they didn't let bad players on the team. Like, I kept on trying to be on the team. <laughs> and yeah. like, I was on no. the team, right, man? So, like, obviously you didn't have to try out or anything. But, uh, no, and the cool thing was, was, like, our head coach, his son was on our team, uh, probably the biggest jokester of all. He didn't. He was a great athlete. Um, his biggest goal every game was like, how do I get dirty? So he slid into home every game just to get dirty. Like his mom's a saint. <laughs> Did more laundry probably than anyone I've ever met. But um, like our practices, half the time they were about fielding and hitting. But he taught us a lot about how to be just good kids and how to respect our parents and be good teammates and good friends. So. Honestly, when I go and talk about like mentors in my life and people I look up to and who's taught me about leadership, like the coach Randy Chambers is a name that comes up frequently because mm. I saw him lose his temper one time in however many years I played, and he's yeah. awesome. Dang. Yeah, it's funny. I had that written down, and he's Green was like a bad boy. I was like, where did, where are you finding this? What Wikipedia page is out there? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, um, part of the reason we have Greenwell here, one, because he's a good friend, but also we're always looking for people that are drifting from tradition and doing things a little bit different. And because they're doing that, they're finding success in life and in business. And so we're going to talk just a little bit. Um, Greenwell, he started working for America First Credit Union um, in college, I believe. Is that? Yeah, right before college. Like, right before college. Yeah. And I don't think he was thinking, this is how I'm going to get close to sports, like going to work for a credit union, right? Uh, but the credit union that he works for 
it's actually, it's nationally known. Here in Utah, it's obviously a behemoth. It's huge. Everybody knows it. Um, but with some other work stuff, I've actually had the opportunity to work with a lot of different credit unions. And around the country, they know who America First is. Partly because it's a smaller market and they're so huge. Like, so I actually, they're so big, I wrote down just a little, they have 130 locations that may actually, might be accurate. It's changed post-COVID. We're down to like 120. We've done some consolidation, but we'll be right back up there. Yeah, they're the ninth largest credit union in assets in the U.S. That's probably somewhere top 10 always. I saw something where it was eighth, something ninth. Anyways, huge with over 11.5 billion in assets, over a million members, which if you don't know like the financial world, it's actually really big for credit unions. Lots of credit unions are kind of like, okay, it's a school district or it's a, I mean, there's different credit unions. Often they're kind of small. So America First is really big. So Greenwell started there as a teller, has worked his way all the way up through several different positions, director positions, manager positions. Now he's, a, what's your current title of what do you have like four different departments that you're over now? So I'm the vice president of member and partner relations. Uh, so that's, we'll say three and a half uh, <laughs> departments right now, depending on when this comes out. Yeah. But yeah, we have three departments and then one that's in, in transition that'll come over. So yeah. And we're going to be talking about some of those things because we did say this is kind of sports related. That's some of what I want to kind of talk to yeah. you about is some of that stuff. Um, some of what I know he's done there has kind of transformed the way that this credit union has done their corporate partnerships and those types of things. And so we'll talk a little bit about some of that. Um, but Greenwell, we are happy to have you here. Happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, and it's very apparent that we are different, which is great because you guys are talking about like the slippery slope that you guys run of like, oh, if I do this, I'm going to like go into kiteboarding and I'm going to go into like base jumping. And I'm like, Man, if I go tubing this weekend at the park, I might like be sore. And that's about all I have to be worried about. But no, yeah, like winter sports, you guys, you guys dominate there. So that's great. And I'm glad that you guys bring the excitement because me, I'm just like, yeah, that hill is pretty, pretty insane for my tube, for my lifetime sled. So that can be more dangerous oftentimes. Sure. No, yeah. Or anything else. Especially when I'm trying to show off for like my, my 11 year old, right? It's like, yeah. dad still got it. Like I just turned 40. So I'm like trying to, trying to not show my age. Yeah. Which I think in turn shows my age more. <laughs> yeah. But it's fine. It's just how it goes. It, yeah. Yeah. Cool. A little bit more intro Uh-oh. for Greenwell. Okay. Um, so we're looking, I was just thinking about a couple firsts that I've had with Greenwell. So one of my first concerts ever was actually out at the fairgrounds with Greenwell. It was a band called Little Texas. Have you ever heard of Little Texas? Oh, come on. Well-known. For sure in the Rock and Roll Hall. Of no, they're, they're yeah. probably not. Yeah. Little I mean, they're playing Weber County Fair. That like, is it an old yeah. band? Are they old? Yeah, they're like they... country. Well, we just talked about country. our age. We're old. Yeah, it's so, like, yeah. well, I, well, I'm saying are they old before your time? Or are they no, like they're like, probably like late 80s, early 90s yeah. Oh, country. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Some yeah. somehow, some way, this podcast is going to make it to somebody that knows the band. And yeah. shout out to Little Texas. Yeah. Anybody in Little Texas, get a hold of us. Like shout out to Little Texas. Yeah. It was <laughs> that was awesome. Again, that was kind of my intro into the concerts, and I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> um, and then yeah, we've been to a few other concerts and other things. But really, one of the other things is my first video shoot. 
really like dude perfect video shoot. <laughs> Do you remember? Her? Uh, Was man, there a commercial? Yeah, yeah, we had like a high eight video camera that like my dad used. Like one of those that's like fifty pounds. You yeah, know? it's like record us at Disneyland or whatever that I just confiscated and made my own. And when you look at like the little Tupperware of like tapes that we had. You know, there's like three of them that are like Yellowstone or California or whatever. And the rest are all like, Brett's friends make video part six. <laughs> like, uh, and, and yeah, we would record ourselves making weird basketball shots or, uh, I mean, we got pretty advanced to where we were like writing scripts about like, okay. And we'd do like multiple angle shots of, you know, like the, the MJ Larry Bird McDonald's commercial where they wanted to like bank stuff off everything. We're like, we could reshoot that. So it's like us throwing basketballs off signs and stuff. And that's what I was just thinking. I remember the like angles, the sign that was like way over here. And the angles were completely off, right? Like it's yeah. like bouncing this way in the one shot and then it's off. Yeah, it's, it was, it was not great, but, uh, we won't, fun. we won't win any Oscars, but it was, yeah. I mean, what eight year old kids do you know that are like out there setting up cameras and like making, yeah. videos i mean we're before our time we could have been content creators right? we could have been totally. youtubers just right. raking it in <laughs> uh but yeah yeah but it's also i don't think greenwell was involved in a lot of this stuff but it's a good thing we didn't have social media and cameras when we got 100%. into like high school 100 percent. man yeah we got away with <laughs> got away with a lot of stuff that we won't go over because yeah. this is going to be posted publicly but uh I mean, yeah. statue of limitations, I think, is up. But, uh, yeah, we definitely were able – we were at the tail end of being able to get away with some stuff that my, my daughter just would not be able to. Right. Yeah. So that's fine. We had some good times. Some yeah. Good time. Cool. Um, so I guess before we jump in, any anything you want to know about Green Mom? <clears throat> no, I just uh, – I uh, my, my when I first met you, we were – you know, we went to uh, – what was that restaurant called? Oh, El Paisa. El Paisa. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was my first time. My buddy always told me to go to El Paisa because it's really good. And yeah. when we said we were going there. And uh, I just always remember, like, this dude is classy. He got good vocabulary. <laughs> He's got, he looks good, you know? And so, like, and then, so then when we, 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 we had our first meeting and we let, you know, we let you talk, I was like, Dude, will you like read me bedtime stories at night? Like I could listen and learn it's from one, you so much. So. It's one of my side gigs. It's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I read adult. Reading grown men. Yeah, adult <laughs> bedtime stories. Yeah. yeah. No, I did not know that about you. That's not in your bio. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> need to update Wikipedia. But yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, thank you. That's very kind of you. Classy is probably not an adjective that gets thrown mm-hmm. around a lot towards me, but uh, but I appreciate it. Yeah. No, it's it's been great working with you guys, and obviously getting to know. Abner, uh, in this context, instead of us making weird videos as eight-year-olds yeah. or whatever, going to sweet little Texas concerts, but yeah, no, I mean, again, I was probably a weird kid. What seven-year-olds like? I want to be a sports agent. Like, I don't know. I know I did weird stuff. Yeah. One of my like earlier memories is going out to my cousin's house. I have one sibling. I have a sister, so I didn't have like any brothers. But I had a cousin that's a week younger than me. Uh, Is that so, Brady? Yeah, my cousin Brady. So yeah. I, I would grow up, I kind of grew up out at their house quite a bit. And mm-hmm. They put up with me a lot. And I remember, like, we would have basketball tournaments in their backyard. And we would, like, legit spray paint logos on this, like, cement court that they had. And yeah. we would play dunk ball in the basement on, like, a Nerf hoop. And we would spend two hours setting it up. And I would be, like, taping with masking tape a Nike swoosh yep. to get halfway done. Like, oh, it doesn't look good. And I got to redo it. And so I was doing, like, all these weird things as a kid that, 
looking back on it now, it's like, oh yeah, that's kind of where my heart always was, was trying to get into like the marketing side of sports and everything. But yeah, yeah, like career paths are, in my experience at least, are very rarely, you know, linear and it's making yeah. all these weird moves. And, and yeah, uh, the credit union space in America first has been great for me. It was a college job that I, it was just supposed to get me through college as a 20 hour teller. And I tell people all the time, like, I just forgot to leave. Like, 18 years later, I'm still here. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like I'm the guy on Office Space, Milton, that they're just going to one day, like, forget, you know, make <laughs> correct the error and make me work in the basement and not pay me. Yeah. And I would still show up. Um, but, yeah, it, it I did a couple of different things, uh, utilized the Spanish that I know and was able to do some cool stuff in, like, the lending world and move up and try some different things. And But marketing was always where my heart was at. And so when I was getting close to my degree being wrapped up, uh, what did you get your your degree in? In business administration, bachelor's in business administration okay. at Weber State, nice. uh, with an emphasis in marketing. And so I was getting ready to go work at a, an ad agency, or at least go interview with them, when a spot opened up at the marketing department at America First. And talking to the VP at the time, he's like, "Why don't you work here? Agencies get like hired and fired all the time, so you're doing really good, and then you'll like lose some clients." And yeah. He had owned his own agency, so he's like, it's just like this game. Here you have one client, and you work for them, and they'll never drop you, and it's just very stable. Just stay here. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, that makes sense. So I did media buying and got to know like all the TV stations and radio stations and, and figure that out. And uh, there was some turnover in the meantime, but they kind of asked me, like, you know, we had a couple of, of sponsorships at the time where we paid a pretty good sum of money to put our logo up at places and you sign an agreement and we'd literally just like take the agreement and file it in a three ring binder and put it in like a bookshelf and we would make our payments and they would send tickets over and it was just that was kind of the the transaction and nobody was really following up on it other than whenever that contract expired three five years whatever you might look at it and be like oh wait we didn't get all this stuff but i mean you after five years, you're letting a lot of value slip by. So I was just asked, hey, in your spare time, which I didn't really have any, like, can you help us revamp this and take a look at it? And, uh, like, super grateful for my, my current boss, Tammy, who, like, kind of saw the vision and was like, hey, we'll assign you. And she gave me the opportunity. And like, that's what I tell a lot of people is you know, opportunity most times kind of um, disguises itself as hard work and extra work and totally. so it's always an inconvenience yeah but if you can do it and it's not always going to pay off every time people are like well i did this extra assignment and nothing happened it's like well something right you got experience or learn to say no next time or whatever but yeah luckily i said yes and that led to this kind of becoming my job and i got to create a department that just focused on the corporate partnerships and we got to work with these great businesses and the whole idea is just how do we manage it? How do we get value out of it? You know, a lot of stuff changes over five years. So if you sign this long-term deal, you're going to have to change and tweak and pivot halfway through. So how are you having these ongoing conversations to make sure that you can do that and not give up these you know great assets that you bought, but like convert them into something else. And hopefully by the time you're up for renewal, it's better than it was when it started. So yeah, we've been able to do that and grow and, well, something that kind of hit me as you were telling, because we've had conversations about this before in the past, but tossing it in a three-ring binder, it was very much just a transactional yeah. thing where it was like, we give you money and then you go and do your thing. And so something you kind of mentioned was 
actually creating like deep, real relationships with these partners and seeing them as partners, not just an advertising avenue. Can you talk a little bit just about that? Like some sure. of maybe the relationships you've had there and like, because that changes things quite a bit, I think. Yeah. Words have meaning, right? And so people a lot of times are like, oh, it's, it's synonymous. You're saying this and it, it's the same thing. It's not. And words matter. And what you say to yourself and what you're calling them every day, I think changes your perspective and your attitude towards things. Yeah. That's why I believe in like having self affirmations and what you say to yourself, even if it's internally, like if you're constantly telling yourself you're a failure, or you're doing these things wrong, mm-hmm. sooner or later, you're going to believe it. And we changed our mindset and we stopped calling them sponsorships and we called them corporate partnerships. And we would tell them that like, we don't refer to you as a sponsor. We refer to you as a partner. Mm-hmm. And that means it's a two way relationship. So let's be real about this. What are, what are we giving you and what are our expectations and what are you providing us and what are your expectations? And we started asking questions that other people weren't like, what are your objectives? What are your goals? Mm-hmm. So that we can help you be successful, not just like, Hey, we, we did business together and I think it was fine. Like, mm-hmm. how can we help you achieve your goals and do it at the same time and really be mutually beneficial? And I found that like the best strategies and advice are usually the simple ones, mm-hmm. but it's just actually implementing them. And that's where I think a lot of people don't do that because it sounds overly simplistic. So they just, don't do it. And, and we started doing that. And so it worked out great. Um, I think we went from like seven partners. We're at 52 right now. Yeah. So we've grown, okay. yeah. got a bigger team that has to manage it. We're in, uh, branches in five States, Idaho, Arizona, Nevada, Utah, New Mexico, but we lend in eight. Yeah. And, uh, your, your research is great. But we've now grown from 11 up to 17 billion. Yeah, so, yeah, it's getting big. Well, yeah. I think it's cool because it's like you guys aren't going to people say, "Hey, we're America first. We're the big dogs. You need us." It's more of a, "Hey, no. What are you? You know, you're outward facing. You know, you're saying, "Hey, what? What are you guys running into? How can we help?" Mm-hmm. Type of thing. And that relationship is how you're able to grow because they're like, "Oh, these guys care. They're not just saying we're the top dogs." Yeah, and so. it's it's all the same. You know, analogies and things you've heard for years. It's people do business with other people they know, like, and trust. And so how do we humanize ourselves and not just be this big faceless organization, but be actual, the neighborhood people. How does the branch manager that you see down the street, how do they get their face out there and, and, you know, become relevant in the community. But, um, we've also talked about, you know, how do we, how do we go from transactional? How do we show these people that we really care? And it's not just treating them like, you know, a, a transaction or a robot or something a means to an end but yeah. treating them like humans and talking to them about how their day's been and when they get married sending them a wedding gift and saying thank you and yep. going out of your way to do things uh it's a game changer and it sounds so simple but when you employ it in the right way and, and you can be authentic about it mm. i think people feel that and that's what resonates so well i think a ton of people too they think about that and they're like cool this is what we do for our customers yeah and so in the credit unit, it's like, this is what we do for our members. Like, this is how we treat them. When you start looking at every stakeholder, when you're looking at like partners and everybody else and you're like, um, you it's out it. of battery. You broke it. We broke it. Anyways. It's still recording. Yeah. Well, it's still recording. So we just want a video for the second part of it. But, um, anyways, when you start looking at everybody and you're, it's funny. My tone of voice just changed because I'm like, oh, we're not being recorded now. This <laughs> oh, you're still recorded, buddy. No, I know. It just feels different. That's funny. Um, but when you're when you're looking at everybody and you're looking at them that way and you're like, 
hey, how do we make sure that this is like a solid relationship upstream, downstream, yeah. every way? It changes everything. Yeah. It's like, and it's way more fulfilling. Like it's, it's way better. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot more fun that way. I just feel like if I'm going to give up my time and energy and resources, like that's the most valuable commodity that I have that I can give up is my time and my energy. Yeah. So if I'm going to give that up, I better be doing it for something that a, I can be proud about and stand behind and feel good about. Um, but also that I enjoy yeah. have fun. So that's why like all the people that I've gotten the privilege to hire and ask to come work with me mm-hmm. are people I like. And not only are they skilled and talented, but they're like good humans who do good things and yeah. are funny and engaging. And I learn from them and I feel better about myself when we're all together. And that's important to me. And so if I'm going to give up, you know, not hanging out with my kids or being home and yeah crossing things off the honeydew list or whatever on the house, like it better be for a good reason. And that's what keeps me there. Like, obviously you have to make ends meet, but what's stuck out to me about working in the credit union industry and especially at America first is they do good things in the community and they mean it. And, and it's great to be a part of something like that where you can, you know, go to work and do a spreadsheet analysis one day. And then the next day you're doing food pantry packs and, you're, you know, going to elementary schools and handing out shoes to kids that you recognize from last year when you were there giving out shoes and they're wearing the same worn out shoes you gave them last year. And yeah. when you see that you're making an impact and a difference, it's pretty easy to like disregard a lot of the, the warts and the, you know, low lights at work and yeah, kind of refills your cup. Yeah. So. Cool. I want to dig in just a little bit deeper to like some of the specific things that you've done that have kind of drifted from tradition a little bit different. Um, I'll kind of lead it just a little bit. I was talking with Rex Rollo a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. He was the previous CFO of uh, America first. And he was talking about clearback during the recession, like 2008, 2009 America first had an excess of funds and every single outlet, everybody that they talked to all the so-called experts were saying, Hey, you need to buy up assets. You need to put this into these secure places and do those kinds of things. And, Rex really felt they needed to stay liquid, meaning keeping those funds so that they could do things with them. Coming out of the recession just a couple years later, um, like into 2010, 2011, there were lots of other credit unions and things that actually needed some help. And then America First was in a position to be able to buy them up. And credit unions have very strict laws where they have to like stay within a certain geographical area or specific things to be able to have members actually become members. And because of that, like you said, now you're in five states. A lot of that was because things were being done differently from all different areas of the organization. So what are some things that you think, like, you went from, how many did you say partners? Like nine or? Nine to 52. Yeah, right yeah. 52. Um, but like, what were some of the things that you were like, this was specific, maybe it caused challenges, maybe successes? Like, like, what did that look like? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of serendipitous that you talk about that. I didn't know that you kind of had that story because I had just heard yesterday about um, a small credit union in, in a rural city and kind of an outlying state that needed help. And mm-hmm. so we actually lent them money and we did it at a lower interest rate on a loan. To, but they just needed time. Like they had fixed leadership mm-hmm. um, and they had actually been subject to like a pretty bad scandal that involved somebody who got fired and they just needed mm-hmm. time. They had fixed everything. And uh, so the credit union lent them some money and they paid everything back. They paid early. They're in like good, stable footing. And nice. now this like small community has a really stable credit union there that's from there. And 
that's important. Like that's good. We we didn't use that as an opportunity to like try to poach people or additional members or growth. Yeah. Um, I think that's good to have competition and mm-hmm. it's nice that, you know, we work for a place that does that. Um, you know, for me coming into the space, I, I had a lot of like, uh, imposter syndrome when I first got into it. Cause I just kind of got thrown in and, and it was kind of like figure it out. Yeah. And so I tried my very best to talk to other people in the industry and just say like, you know, what are you, what's working for you and what, can, what are best practices? Mm-hmm. Um, made my way to a couple of sponsorship conferences and things like that. And everyone's there asking the same question, right? Like, how do we know this works? Yeah. And took me a couple of years of going to this before I figured out like nobody really knows. And if they did, yeah. they would sell it to you in a software package and make a ton of money. <laughs> right. Um, and so we're all taking the best guesses that we can and, and trying to figure it out as, as best we can, but there's ambiguity there regardless. And so after going to that and kind of figuring it out, there were things that I was doing and, and I would start to get, you know, pieces of information back or comments or compliments from people that would just say like, Hey, you guys are really doing a good job. or You're changing the game. And, um, when you hear of some of the credit unions ahead of you start noticing what you're doing and they're coming back and saying like, Hey, you guys are changing the industry here. Like, what were some of the things specific that you were doing that? Yeah. Why they were saying that, you know? So there's no magic metric or measurement that you can go in and say like how are sponsorships doing like you would love ROI right like we do some things with NBA teams and NFL teams and you have signage up and you would love to know how many loans that gets you or new accounts but people don't click on a sign to open a new account there's really no way to to measure that as effectively as you'd like right it's not digital advertising with direct attribution and clicks yeah there's things you can do, but it's still, you're making assumptions. And so we got to a point where it's like, okay, we've got to do something. We've got to figure this out. And eventually, you know, as a team, we just kind of sat down and said, how do we, how do we measure this? And the light bulb for me clicked when it's like, why are we trying to do what everybody else is doing when we're not everybody else? Yeah. Nor do we want to be. Mm-hmm. So what works for us? So let's make a list. Let's write down the things that work for us. What are we looking for in a good partner? What in our eyes makes a good partner? And we wrote it down. And I said, okay, prioritize that. What's one, two, three, four, five? Can you give me an example of any one of those? Yeah. Maybe so, it's a little different. So it would be like exclusivity. Like, do we care about exclusivity? Mm. Um, a lot of times they'll charge you a premium to be the only person in your vertical that can play in this space. And there's times that you want that. You want to stand out. There's other times I don't care because I'm going to do better than the other guy. So I'm not going to pay you a premium. I'm just going to outshine them. I will outwork them. We will outdo everything that they're doing, not because we're trying to beat them, just because I'm that confident in our approach. We're going to do it differently. We're going to care about you in a way that they don't or can't. Hmm. So we talk about, does exclusivity matter? And it does. It's in the mix. We talk about other things, like how well does that partner do at integrating the things that we care about? So if I come to you and say, hey, I want to put my logo up, but I also want to figure out how to get more cards, how loans, accounts, whatever, do they care about that or do they just try to treat car dealers, banks, credit unions, soda manufacturers, insurance agencies, all the same. Mm. Um, So we basically came up with like 10 factors, prioritized them, and then we rank them. So we would act like a teacher giving out grades. And every year during the season, during the year, we would rank them one to 10 in each of those factors and it would spit out a score. And now... Were there ones that were hard to kind of quantify? Yeah, yeah, because we're doing everything from aquariums and museums to 
amusement parks to sports teams. Mm -hmm. So when you're comparing an NBA team to like a local kids museum, right? Like how do you do that? Mm -hmm. But if you can go through and say, well, these guys deliver on this and, and these guys deliver on these other aspects, now you can at least do scores. And then what you can do is toss it out on a graph and say, okay, scores are on this axis. What I spend with you is on this axis. Where do you rank? Right. Yeah, because it's probably way different yeah. with an NBA team. But where much is given, much is expected, right? So if yeah. I'm giving you a lot of money, I'm expecting your score to be higher. Yeah, right. I'm okay if your score is a little bit lower because I don't pay you as much as a kid's museum or whatever. But and it also makes it apples to apples too, right? 100%. Where it's like, okay, the score, you can actually compare it. But now what changes all that is the way you implement it. And mm -hmm. so we talk about going from transactional to relationship. Yeah. So now what any of these people who you know work on our team that go out and manage these relationships, what they're able to do now is completely different because it can be a relationship where they can go in now and say, you know, somebody didn't say, did I do a good job or not? You can't just say yes or no. Yeah. I can literally give them a report card and say, you guys murdered it in four out of the 10 areas, but where you're not, what's holding you back is number two, five and seven. Hmm. Start with number two, cause it's weighted the most. If you can fix this, yeah. you will score higher in my book. If you right. can fix this, you will score higher in my book. Leave everything else alone, fix these things and you will be fine. Yeah. Or, if they can't, right? If there are things that are like, we're not able to fix that, it's like, well, then we're going to have to probably reduce my cost because you can see on the breakdown, yeah. you're not outperforming where your expected cost is compared to everybody else that I do business with. Forget the, like, the industry yeah. and the market and what everyone else is willing to pay you. What I'm willing to pay in the market compared to all the other partnerships, you're not outperforming the trend line. Dude, what I, what I love about this, kind of what I'm hearing is if we're going to be going relationship-based, if anybody is doing that, the biggest concern is, okay, well, then am I going to be paying for things I maybe shouldn't be because a relationship is more heavily weighted? Right. So if you're going to be doing relationship-based, you have to have some sort of mechanism or something where you can clearly put it out and you can give them the opportunity to stay where they're at. And if they can't, then you can reduce it, but it's based on data. It's not based on relationships. So it really shouldn't hurt the relationship if you have that. If you didn't have this other piece... It would make the relationship part hard. So what you're saying, like when you're talking to other credit unions and they're like, well, that sounds great. Like, how do you do it? I feel like that's a big key to how to do it that lots of people don't talk about. It's like you got to have like the data mechanism and the relationship for that to not hurt the relationship or artificially inflate the relationship just by spend. Yeah. So let's back up a little bit because I'm, I'm doubting most people listening to this aren't like credit union sponsorship experts that are like just <laughs> knee deep in this. Like, yeah, yeah give me more. Uh, anybody in any field that you're in, pest uh -huh. control, whatever, tax accountants, whatever yeah. you're doing out there. Everyone's always like, how do I gauge that line between I don't want to be best friends with all my customers. Uh -huh. Right. But I also want to like who I do business with. Yeah. And I want to be able to have honest conversations with people. And that was one of the things that I remember making the jump when I first got assigned to be like a manager or a supervisor. It's, it's all these people that were my friends are now going to work under me in this corporate ladder structure. Mm -hmm. And I remember somebody saying to me like, are you too close? Are you too close to these people? Do you, and, yeah. and my barometer was always, if I am not able to be honest with you, brutally honest with you and tell you what you need to know, yeah. then I'm too close. That's how I know. If I'm ever pulling punches, yeah. then I need to figure it out. And I've kept that mindset with like all of our partners. If I ever get to a point that I hesitate or I pull a punch, then I need to change something. Yeah. 
Um, but with that being said, like I need to bring in more objective data and not subjective data. So if we can, I never like to negotiate across the table with somebody. I want to be on the same side of the table where we can pull up chairs and look at the problem together right. from the same side of the table. And it's, you know, it sounds brutal, but I would say you got to cut the head off. Like meaning it's not the person that you're working with. It's not Dave. Yeah, it's the position. It's the owner of the business. Let's take a look at this. In your role, you should care about X, Y, and Z. And we're not doing X and we're not doing Z. Mm -hmm. How do we do that without charging me more money? Mm -hmm. And if you can look at the problem together and you can show them that by fixing this, it's going to make their life better and easier. And I know it's going to make my life easier. You're going to be successful no matter what, whether that's pest control or tax counts, whatever. So that's kind of what we did is like, okay, what do we have that's like data that we can bring in and we can point to? And that's the transaction piece. But then let's like be human. Let's tell these people like, hey, I don't like the way you talk to me when there's an issue and we've got to fix that. Right. Um, but to me, that's been the game changer. And I think that's with everybody. It's like, hey, how do we have a good relationship and treat each other like humans? Because that's what we are and care about each other. Yeah. While also being honest about it and being like, okay, how do we make the most of this deal? So what does that look that's kind of with corporations. What does that look like when you're dealing with athletes? Like, cause you've had the opportunity to like <laughs> yeah. do that, right? It's a little bit different. I'm assuming. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, first and foremost, you're typically not working directly with the athlete themselves. You're working with their like agent. And maybe we should make it clear. I know which athletes you kind of work with, but this is like NBA players, major league yeah. soccer players. Yes. I don't NFL know if you started players. working with NFL players. Yes. And, yeah. And the, the agent's one that's going to call up the phone and be like, hey, I want to do business. Um, for example, right now, we, you know, we do have a partnership with the local NBA team here, and they're going to do the All-Star game here. And so we're getting athletes that are reaching out to us saying, like, hey, I'm, I'm coming there for All-Star weekend. would love to do something hmm. with you guys. And while that's flattering. Also, I'm not super familiar with that. So people that aren't necessary in this area because they're coming to this area, their agents will reach out to you. Yeah, so say there's a former uh, player, like, for the – you know, for the Utah team or whatever. And he's like, Hey, I'm coming back to Utah to be there for all-star weekend, but I'd like to maybe do something with you while I'm there. You know, we may have not had a relationship with them and they're, let's be honest, they're trying to make more money. They're retired players. So they're, they don't get the millions of dollars coming anymore. So they're trying to find like these opportunities, which is great. Um, and there might be things that we could do, right? Like if we had something, we might want to do a player signing, a meet and greet for some of our members or whatever, but how do you stand out? in the midst of everything else that's going on there. So you really got to like own it. Hmm. So the agents will call you, they'll talk, you know, and you've really got to be able to like cut the head off and say, does this make sense? You know, what are we going to do here? And endorsements are tricky. You're tying yourself to a a human. You got to, that's different than an organization, right? Like an organization doesn't get a DUI. An organization typically doesn't make like a bad tweet that, suddenly reveals awful things about their character right um humans do and you're tied to this person regardless personal life like that's going to bleed over and so you got to do your due diligence and then you it's a calculated risk right like yeah i feel good but what does that even look like doing due diligence like you're saying that and i'm nodding my head i'm like yeah and i'm like wait what does that even look like i peek at their twitter i peek at their instagram i look at facebook i try to find their wikipedia page to see what uh you know weird little league baseball team they played on (laughs) I'll, i'll ask i'll say do you have any references i'll look at what other businesses they're working with and call those businesses and say like hey how was your experience with so and so like were they great 
um, easy to work with or not. Uh, agents that it's like are a really job good. Is what it sounds yeah, like. and agents that are really good will have that. They'll say, "Hey, call these people. Here's some references you can look at." You know, we've we've had the opportunity to work with a lot of like emerging ones, so they were just getting started, so there wasn't a lot there. Yeah. Um, and then we've had some others that have, have done some campaigns that I knew and I could go and look at. And then I've had, I've told them we're not signing anything. We'll get nine, ninety percent of the way there, but we want to meet. Yeah. And we'll meet with the athlete. And I trust my gut and I want to sit across the table from somebody and say, do you have any of these issues? Do we need to be worried? Yeah. Do you understand why we would be worried and how your conduct can affect us? Hmm. And do you understand who we are and who you're really affecting? It's not just like the three of us or four of us in the chairs here. It's Dude, how's that conversation go? I'm sure sometimes just it's like fine. That. Just like that. I don't polish it up. I, I'm, no, 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 but how do they kind of take it? Is, are they like... Some get it. Um, I will say we, we had somebody who uh, had sent a, a, a picture of themselves in an undressed manner. Is that a good way of putting it? <laughs> <laughs> sent a nudie to like a, a past girlfriend who hung on to it until an opportune time. And then oh. she decided to release it right like close to a media day. Yeah. And I had to be, I found out about it through a coworker that like was giggling on the way into work and was like, Hey, I bet you saw this. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh man. So I got to call the team and say like, Hey, what are we going to do? And they didn't know about it. So I broke the news to them and then they had to go in the locker room and be like, what happened? What are you doing? Yeah. So yeah, that happened. And we had talked to him. His agent was actually his dad. And I remember it was dad was like, we'd never do anything like that. And I was like, well, dad probably was in the room when you sent that picture. So, <laughs> right. But We've had others that I've, I've just asked, like, do we have to worry about new pictures that you sent back in the day resurfacing? And they're like, no. I'm like, okay. Like, these are the types of questions that we just have to ask. And Have you ever had them be like, well, maybe this or maybe that? No, I mean, it's fun to watch them sit and, like, retrospectively, you know, be put on the spot and being like, uh, I got to think about this. But, no, most of yeah. them, you know, they, they know. And yeah. We've been burned once or twice, but it's been good. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. And there's some, you know, like you guys talk about action sports. There's some of these guys that that's part of the persona. They may have plenty of it. They may have done it on purpose because they want to be edgy. And yeah. as a brand, you've got to decide, like, does that work right? We're pretty conservative. People yeah. don't want to take risks with their money. But if you're, you know, an energy drink company, maybe you're willing to be a little bit more, more edgy. Maybe bad press is good press. And you're like, hey, can you send out more of those? I don't know. You'd have <laughs> yeah. to make that decision. But yeah. Um, Huh. Yeah, they're conversations I, no matter what industry I'm in, I want to have. I want to know what kind of a bridge I'm going to cross. Yeah. I think that's really cool, too, because it's like I am a very emotional type person. So, like, if I saw, like, one of my idols, like Travis Pastrana, I'd do everything. I'd be like, Travis, what's up? Yeah. You so, know, and, like, you know, I'd want to just, like. So, I'll tell you this. <laughs> uh, the, the, before I had anything to do with the, the role that I'm in now, but I, when I met a few athletes, whether that was just a, like a you know junior jazz signing or whatever, mm-hmm. um, I came across, I remember going to a Walmart. It was literally the day I went to uh, propose to my now wife. I was going down to buy the ring and my buddy called and said, hey, Carlos Boozer, who was like an all-star basketball player, uh, is at Walmart, like at our local Walmart doing some, and I was like, what? So I was passing it, so I hurried and turned in, mm-hmm. got out, I'm walking through the parking lot trying to figure it out, and I ended up like bumping into this guy, and I look up, and it's him. And I got starstruck, and my weird thing that I would always go towards, and you talk about concerts, I went to a lot of concerts, and I have a friend that for some reason like always meets the band. 
I've met these like lead singers of my favorite bands and I panic and I always tell them who they are and then I, I freak out and I just like lose it. So I told him like, you're Carlos Boozer. And he's like, yeah. And then there was this long, awkward pause <laughs> and me just staring deeply into his eyes. And then he was like, all right, man, and he just left. And I was like, oh, I've done that like countless times. At a certain point, you just start to realize like these guys are guys. Like, yeah, they're, they're just, just people. people. And I've gotten past the point of telling people like who they are and then just freezing. <laughs> right. And uh, no, I've had great conversations with some of these guys and it's interesting to hear them talk and you know, I like you, you've had experience living in Georgia and Louisiana and all these other places. I always like to know, like, you know, as a homegrown Utah, yeah. I know we're quirky, right? Like, let's not be naive. Like, we get it, we have weird fry sauce and stuff like that. Right. Uh, like, what's weird about Utah? Like, what's your experience been like? And, you know, I always like to get this outside perspective and you know, yeah. what surprised you the most? What do you like? What don't you like? So, yeah, hmm. they're people. So, and I think they also want to be treated like people too, right? It's funny because you're like, so, wouldn't it be cool to have like a, a little bit of a relationship with these guys? And I think they would probably rather have like a normal relationship rather than like some fanboy. Like, I think you would hope them. so. You know, I'd, yeah, but it's it's still hard because it's like I like you guys are very controlled emotionally and can you know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, my child would differ with you when you say that, but no, I, I understand it, right? There's some people like they, that. It's just, it's it's a skill set. That listen, you, have, you know what I mean. One of my ones that don't do they have like a big ego? Is that kind of way they probably, don't? Probably, I that would what? assume. I don't, you know, my degree is not in psychology, so I'm not going to pretend to like <laughs> yeah. read their their behavior. And yeah, but I'll tell you, like one of my favorite bands growing up uh, was starting. It's a band called The Starting Line. Love from, Starting Line. I, I love them. Line. They're from Pennsylvania. Great. They've broken up, gone back together. Things are great. But I've met the lead singer a handful of times. And I still freak out every time. And I know that... He, I, I don't know if he has like a huge following, but I would assume that it's probably his Instagram and things are lower than an NBA player that I've probably met. Yeah. But from what it meant to me and like growing up listening to the, the music and his voice resonating, like I freaked out. I still would probably have butterflies <laughs> talking to him way more than any of the like athletes that I work with because yeah. it just resonates and that's yeah but yeah they're just people and and most time they they don't care about that kind of stuff there's times I'm sure they're they like the attention but yeah. I also think that wears off pretty quick and the ones we've worked with that have been in whatever league a little bit longer usually that's like all worn off and they're just they're yeah. just people like honestly I would tell you one of the nicest people I've ever met and we're not we're not like homeboys or anything like that like we don't hang out or anything but every time I, I got to meet him um, I had my daughter with me a couple of times and he whether he did or not I and mean, he might have just tricked the trade but he would tell her like I remember you when I met you last time and that that like stayed with her was Kyle Beckerman who was mm. a soccer player yeah and like he is still like a hallowed name in our household because the way he treated my daughter like won my heart over and he was just the nicest person yeah that's cool so when they can show that side of them and actually just be people yeah. um that that resonates with me and i was always like how do we communicate that out to the to the community because yeah just hmm. that was awesome do you remember who the first athlete is who you met with professionally like in my role yeah uh yeah like we did some stuff with uh i, I think the first one that like i really ever did anything with was trey burke who was mm -hmm. a, a point guard yeah and he had just come off of um being college player of the year at Michigan hit hmm. some big shots. And so we did some stuff with him. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Was it 
kind of, I mean, I think we've kind of covered what that was like, but was it, you're just like, okay, cool. Like just. Yeah, no, I did not tell him who he was. Uh, <laughs> I was a lot cooler about stuff, but yeah, it was just a good opportunity. And again, like he was a rookie coming into the league and, and so it was nice, you know, being able to have somebody who I don't think had like a lot of like persona coming in and yeah. he just wanted to make a difference here locally. And hmm. we've done some other stuff with some other soccer players who have been super fantastic and it's been great. Like, been yeah. super fortunate that way cool yeah you've been in tons of situations that i think lots of people don't have an opportunity to be in have you ever found yourself in one and you're like whoa this is rad like because i think sometimes you kind of go through the motions and afterwards you're like oh wow like that was kind of but have you ever been in the moment and you're like this yeah. is yeah um a goal of mine has always been don't ever take this for granted anything um, and I don't think you have to be in a role like my, I think that's anything in life, right? Like you have to understand that there's going to be sweet moments that come by and you got to stop and, and enjoy it. Otherwise, like, what are you doing? Yeah. And yeah, there's been a couple of times where, you know, we've been touring Allegiant stadium and you're like literally on the field where all these NFL athletes play mm-hmm. doing a tour. And it's just like, what is this? You know, you have to kind of stop and take a picture and yeah, I've been able to go on a couple of different things and see some different big games and stuff like that. And, and it's nice. You have to kind of stop and be like, this, this is cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you just sent me a photo the other day. You were on Allegiant on the field. U of U was playing. And I was like, I'm watching the game. And you're like, so am I. <laughs> you sent me a picture. I'm like, oh, you're like in the game. Yeah. yeah so, cool. yeah. And my close friends so i i don't put any of that stuff on like yeah. social media at all because that's it's not well i think me. i even prompted it right sure i like yeah. said something and then you sent it it's not and like it's, you're just shooting it out like no, hey it, look where i'm at because it's not about me right like i didn't buy the tickets i'm there for work and so i understand that like somebody else's like hard-earned funds are funding me being here and there's a job to do yeah and it's funny like all my friends are like man gotta be friends with greenwell because i get to go to like cool places and do cool stuff but now all of them are like yeah like it's fun to go with you but all you do is like talk and visit <laughs> with these guys man like you don't even watch the game half the time or if you look at my like i tell people when they come work in our area like this will ruin you and if you look at my phone half of it is of my family and my daughter playing soccer or my son doing funny baby things or whatever <laughs> yeah um and the rest of it's like timeout promotions signs at stadiums um like I, it just ruins you like you start watching games in weird ways like half time i pay attention to commercials more than i do the actual game or, right and i'm trying to figure out like what are these other brands doing so i can learn from them or learn what not to do yeah um so yeah i'll go to these big things and sometimes you have to kind of remind yourself like it's okay to watch the game and enjoy it and be a fan for a second but yeah yeah when you see how the sausage is made sometimes like you don't enjoy the game as much because you know the backstory and people who are fan favorites maybe aren't great to work with behind the scenes or vice versa Mm -hmm. you know guys who aren't the most talented player you're rooting for because they're just the nicest people and that complicates things yeah Yeah. Hmm. cool you've worked with a ton of people that have done things a little bit different that's how most sports athletes that really achieve something they do something a little different what do you feel like you've done that has drifted from tradition oof um, I mean, obviously we, we've kind of talked about it. I think just in my, my role, um, this isn't how I saw my career going. This isn't like what I <laughs> right. woke up one day and was like, you know, I, I remember I was supposed to go to Oregon state and I was going to try to do some sort of like Nike internship and work for Nike. And I'd talk to people, um, 
I, I didn't do that. I went to Weber State and then <laughs> working for a financial institution. But it's funny, like you say, I think when you can follow your your passions and what you're good at, um, then I think opportunities open up. So I think that's been part of it is just opening this whole new world that like we really weren't in at where I work. I didn't have to go somewhere else. I was able just to kind of create that. And that's not, everyone's not going to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's just within that field, trying to be a game changer, right? Like I don't want to just be the guy that flies under the radar and settles for everything. So when I go to these conferences, I'm not trying to seek out the limelight. I'm not trying to be the loudest voice in the room. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find the smartest people in the room that often sit in the back corners and are really quiet and pick their brain and just learn and reinvent and be different. And I think if you ever get complacent and think that like what worked for you yesterday is going to work for you tomorrow, you're crazy yeah. and you'll probably be unemployed soon. And so I just always want to be a difference maker and try to find ways to, to do things that make a difference, but like, impactful things right like how do i make the community better yeah it's great that we met this nba player what are we going to do can we use his influence and platform to bring attention to charity and go help them like let's let's do that yeah well one thing too is like uh you've stuck with america first too like they've provided you opportunity so like is there a category at america first that's like 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, like that have people have been there or is there like, <laughs> so is, when everyone walks in, oh, there's Brett because he's been there longer than all of us type of thing. It's so funny you say that. So you think so. Uh, I've been there 18 years, which is like pretty unique. And I will say for a young person like myself to be there for 18 years, um, I am still one of the like young bucks there for sure. Oh. There are people who have been there for 25, 30, 35, 40 years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, we, we promote from within. So like, and with that, you would think maybe like, okay, they just promote tenure and it, it gets complacent and there's not a lot of innovation, but I think there's yeah. pressure on you to, you know, at any time they can hire someone from the outside, but they've chosen to take a, a risk and just keep it in house and go with you. So at least in my, my instance, I always felt pressure. Like I've got to reinvent myself. I've got to be better. And that's when that imposter syndrome kicked in. And I just felt like I've got to outpace everybody else. And then at some point, somebody makes a comment or a compliment or something that kind of like resonates and backs up the fact that like, oh, I am okay at this. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I'm talking to you here today trying to talk about all this stuff. I still feel like there's so much I can learn. And I, I still feel like I've just scratched the surface of trying to figure it all out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, pushing as hard as you have puts you in obviously unique and incredible situations. Sometimes it can be uncomfortable and hard situations. Have have some of the things you've done kind of, like you're saying, lots of times all we hear is kind of the Instagram post yeah. version, right? Yep. Like what are some of the things that you don't normally talk about? Some yeah. Some of the complications or difficult things. You know, these big events, there's a lot of work that goes into carrying them, to, to carrying them out and having them work. And so there's long hours. And so I... My job is not a Monday through Friday, nine to five job. There are a lot of evening things that I have to go to. And um, it sounds great to go to all these events. It sounds fun. But I also like my kids and I like my family. (laughs) And I would like to go watch my daughter play soccer. And I would like to, you know, go on a date night with my wife that's not having her come with me to a college basketball game or something. So, yeah, there's, there's complications with that. But then also we work in a very competitive industry. And despite however I want to do business and be classy or be nice (laughs) about it, you know, not everyone abides by those same tactics. And we have people that try to, you know, buy partners out from us. We've had, 
we've had deals that we've signed that competitors have gone in after the fact and tried to pay them more money to basically kick us out and mm-hmm. avoid a contract and it's worked a time mm-hmm. or two and I don't I don't abide by that like I don't think that that's the right way to do it but I don't control other people's actions either so yeah it's uh you know some people call it naive or thinking you know altruistically or whatever but I, I don't know I just feel like I don't want to have to stoop to a certain level that I'm not proud of to yeah. get a job done yeah I totally agree with that yeah, I've had opportunities and experiences, I guess I call them opportunities, where things like that have happened too. And it's like, all right, now I know how not to do that. Yeah, and I, you know, the people, like I talk about, the people that have done that to me, it, it it probably has the potential to leave a really sour taste in my mouth about that company, just because that one person's done a certain thing. Yeah. But you have to understand, like, that company is made up of a lot of people. And there's probably a lot of great people that work. There. I know a lot of great people that work at that competitor. And some of them are really great friends and I just have to understand that it's not that company. It's the, those people, the way that they operate. Yeah. I don't agree with, Um, but that's kept me from working there. Like I, there was an opportunity to go and work there and I was like, I don't want (laughs) to, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I'm not going there. Yeah. 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 Um, you talked a little bit about personal life, like going and doing that. You're in a unique situation where your wife works where you work. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So, how do you balance that, like, personal? Oof, I don't know that we do. Uh, good counseling? No, um, we met there. We're one of those couples. And so we don't really know any different. Yeah. But, and I'm a very transparent person. Um, I, I try to compartmentalize as best I can. But who you see here is the same guy that you're going to see in any other scenario, whether it's a soccer game sideline or mm-hmm. in my office or whatever. So we just treat it that way. We don't bring stuff to work and like let everybody else get into our personal life. But yeah, we also don't hide from that either. And so um, she's great. It, I, I'd give my wife way more credit than me. Like I think she's done an amazing job of, of not letting that get weird or complicated. Mm-hmm. We go to staff meetings and sit across the table from each other. Like we don't sit next to each other. We, we don't even go to lunch that often together and, and, we're just busy. We both have stuff, but you know, we'll swing by each other's offices and say hi. And we've kept it professional, but you know, we've had personal scenarios. Um, like our little guy, uh, that we just had, he's going to turn two. He was born at 27 weeks. And so, uh, we ended up being in the NICU for 96 days and we had a lot of ups and downs and work was amazing to work with us. And people knew about it and we're not going to hide it and try to come to work and not tell people what was going on. And so you get vulnerable sometimes and you get teary eyed about some things and it'd be hard to leave the NICU and the doctor's telling you all these awful things that could potentially happen. And you've got to, and it was during COVID. So we couldn't be in there at the same time. Um, so I'd hand, I'd high five her and she'd go in and I'd go to work and you know, you got a job to do. So I'd have to look at spreadsheets of budgets and things and approve them while you're thinking about those other things. And, and I think letting people in and, and just being real about it, like, yeah, it stinks. And I don't want that to happen, but I also have to get these things done. So, like, let's just do it and help me out with it. Yeah. And I think uh, people watching us go through that, I think, understand now. And, and they were nice enough to, like, probably lend us some grace when I don't know that we deserved it, but we appreciated it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they also have been closer and, and kind of realize what we've done so yeah yeah that was a scary time i'm glad he's doing well now but yeah man that was 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Heart goes out to anybody who has to go through that kind of stuff. It's not great. Yeah. But it's, you know, I think everybody goes through stuff for a reason and I'm very, very careful about the trials and tribulations that I wish upon myself because I know I'm going to have to go through that to grow. Yeah. And we did, we, we grew and we're lucky to be where we're at on the other side of it. And I know not everybody is in that same space, but, um, I'm grateful for our scenario, even though we had to go through a tough time, he's doing good. So we'll take it. As we're in this kind of sentimental thinking about our children and that kind of stuff, if you had one piece of advice, like I know we're talking a lot about business stuff, but like for your kids, if you're like, they're going to hear this at some point, what would you, what advice would you give them? Besides like pick a better dad? <laughs> uh, yeah, besides that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, no, but like, let's get rid of like, yeah. what, what is most important kind of to you in life? Yeah. And then like, what would you say like to your kids at some future date, if they listen to this, like, and say when they're your, your age or just going like when you were starting America first, yeah, like, for sure. think about maybe that when they're like 20. Um, so we're in that space of like comp soccer. I know my daughter plays competitive soccer, which parents are <laughs> comp soccer any comp, anything, parents yeah. are crazy. Um, and I can't believe I'm like in that world, but it, it, it's fine. Well, uh, my daughter's in dance, so. Yeah, dance, dance, gymnastics, cheerleading, like all the things, yeah. man. Like it, you parents are crazy, but there's some good ones out there <laughs> and I get it and you do it because you love your kids and whatever. Yeah. Um, our coach recently just had like a, a sit down with the parents and they want to talk about like, hey, how's your kid progressing and what are some things we can do? And I would say the same thing. I did say the same thing to my daughter as we were driving there. I was like, so what are you good at? Like, what are some of the things that you like about soccer? What are some of the things that you want to do better? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, she would ask me, like, what do you think, Dad? I don't know. And I just told her, look, I want you to learn how to be a good person. And I want you to learn how to win and be a good sport about it. I want you to learn how to lose and be a good sport about it. I want you to learn how to do hard things and how to have to, like, better yourself and I want you to learn how it feels to have people rely on you and succeed and be a good teammate and let them down and have them be able to show you grace and say that that's okay so we're going to watch you fail we're going to watch you succeed and you're going to grow and that's okay and that's what I would tell them is like life's not linear and it has a lot of ups and downs and the same time that you're texting your friend about being at you know a Pac-12 championship game and how cool that is at the same time, you're, you know, going through awful things at home, like a kid in the NICU or whatever. And that's life and it's messy and it's weird and you got to get your way through it. And that's what life is about. That's what matters. And so show people a little bit of humility and give people some space to breathe. And it's okay to give the benefit of the doubt and just become a better person. And that's what I would share with them. That's what I, I hope that they're a better person yeah. than I am. That they know how to work hard, that they know how to do hard things and not give up and quit when life gets a little bit difficult. Mm-hmm. And just enjoy the journey because you never know when it's gonna be over. Like Yeah. So don't don't put off the vacation. Don't put off having fun. Like have fun at work. Do hard things and enjoy it while you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. That's what life's about. Yeah. You covered a lot there. That's awesome. Um I have a couple other questions for you. Oh we we kind of talk about like things that we've done a little bit different. I have a question for you. So yeah. who's somebody that you don't know? Like we've talked about a bunch of people that Oof. you do know. Yeah. Somebody you don't know 
that you feel like is drifting from tradition, if you could get together with them, like just have a sit down, whether that's go sit by them at a game, go skiing with them, even just sit down for a meal, whatever. Yeah. Who would that be and why? All right. I'm going to go crazy and do two answers. One, just working with you guys and like learning more about Harry Varden and like, it's been super interesting. And so I've like dug into that a little bit and I would love to like, not just have to dig through history books to be able to sit down and actually ask the man some questions about you know, some of the things that he's done alive though. Yeah. Uh, one of the great philosophers of our time, Rob Deerdeck, oh. who, uh, okay. He's probably not a great <laughs> philosopher, but I love Rob. Like, um, Oh man, he's Robin big. Yeah. And, so oh, being like a knucklehead, uh, in between watching, episodes of jackass on mtv and trying to recreate it with my friends on the high eight video <laughs> camera like this show showed up of robin big and it was like this guy who was friends with like his security guard he was a skateboarder and he did stuff with dc shoes and it was like he was funny mm-hmm. and then fantasy factory came out and i was like this is what i want my life to be i want to work in a fantasy factory where i can buy the tennis ball gun machine from american <laughs> gladiators and shoot my coworkers and be okay with that <laughs> totally. and I was like, this is it. Like, this is what I want to do. But just like following him and listening to his business sense and he has a podcast and he gets very deep about a lot of things and he's very structured. He cares about like how much sleep he gets and he cares about the activities that he does. And he gets that. And that's what I talked about before, right? Like the best thing that I have to offer the world is my time and my energy and and those resources should be cared for. And he's very, very like particular about who, what he does and Mm -hmm. what he uses that energy on and I could be way more disciplined in my life about that. But just understanding all the things he's gone through in the business. And I mean, I don't think MTV is MTV anymore. I think it just plays ridiculousness. That's all that's on. (laughs) Totally. And the deal he was able to work out and, you know, trying to figure out like all the royalties and the way that came in and his income streams. Like he's, he's a smart guy that probably uh, hasn't been given the credit that he deserves until maybe now. I don't know. I think more people are now doing it, but he's, He's a very interesting guy. Yeah, that'd be that awesome. I that I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe we'll try to get this in his hands so that maybe we can yes. figure something out. It'd be rad. Yeah, be really cool. Cool. Okay. Another different type. Why well, not different question? Same question, but somebody you do know. Yeah. Um. So with my role, we talked a lot about the corporate partnership side, but um, one of the roles I I also got was um, working with all of our dealer relations manager. So our bread and butter is auto lending. So we do a lot of like lending to autos, cars, RVs. And uh, I work with all of the reps that go out and visit all those different dealers and they establish the relationships and do good things. So I've had to like learn that world and it's been great. And, you know, I think car dealers sometimes get a bad rap for, you know, being like, you know, they use the term used car salesman and like, that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these guys do a lot of great things and are very invested in the community. And there's some great ones in like the Las Vegas market that do awesome things, great ones here. Um, but one of them that I actually just got to go to a charity dinner the other night and sit next to him is Oliver Young with the Young Automotive Group. Mm-hmm. Um, he started a charity and I don't know if it was Oliver per se himself, but he's super invested in a lot of boards in the community but he also helped start this charity, this foundation with the young group called Young Caring for Our Young. And they do awesome things like the Kind Fund where if you're a teacher and you notice a student is struggling, you can apply to this program and they will um, get you a gift card and you provide the sizing for the kids and a shopper will go out and spend the $150 or whatever on the gift card and buy 
items and then bring them to your school and you can give them to the kid. And so he's not worried about necessarily selling cars and RVs, although that's their business. Yeah. But he really, really cares about helping kids in our community, especially Davis County. And that's cool. how do you not like love somebody that can do that? And totally. getting to know him better and sitting at the charity dinner and uh, he's very goal oriented. I've actually gone to like three of his trainings now that he does at the beginning of the year and talks about the goals that he sets. And I tease him because he, he gets very emotional and cries every time he talks about his kids. But that's what I love is that he's very, like, human. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he's very different than what most people would expect, like, a, a quote-unquote car salesman to be. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel better about myself every time I'm with him. And to me, that shows, like, the mark of a trait. True, great human. Yeah, that's rad. Cool. Well, sweet. And he's here local, so... We'll try to reach out to him. Too. Here local, he we'll climbs see. mountains, man. He's like right up your guys' alley. Yeah. Like, he sounds like those... somebody I want to get to know, not just yeah. for the podcast, but somebody. He's that... one of those that would slip into the base jumping way before I would. But <laughs> yeah. uh, Oliver's a good guy. Okay, Oliver, if you're hearing this, let's let's get together and do something fun. It'd be good. Yeah. Cool. Well, awesome. I feel like we spent quite a bit of time. We're just getting this kind of figured out. This whole podcasting stuff. Um, what we're always going to try to do is we're going to try to identify people that we feel like are really pushing life to the fullest and Greenwell, you're doing that, man. Like I love it. I love to be surrounded by people that are doing that and yeah, it's, it's inspiring. It's, it's what life is about. What you kind of mentioned about for your kids, like that's, that's what I want for my kids. I want them to know that it's okay to fail, that it's part of success. It's not the opposite. Um, but that's everybody that comes and works with us that we're building a community right now, the Varden community that we feel like it's people that are pushing for that, whether they decide to get some Varden goods or not. Like we're trying to gather people. I've had the opportunity to travel around the world a little bit and even just around the U S and it's interesting when you meet different people and you're like, you get it. Like it's people that are, they're working hard, they're playing hard and they're over delivering. Like they're like trying to push and do the most out of life. And, uh, that's that's what we're trying to build here. That's why we have the whole podcast is to really bring people like that together. Yeah. And so, I appreciate you being our first guest. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for coming. No, <laughs> thanks for uh, putting up with a lamo like me. I'm sitting with guys that like you know, yeah, whatever. <laughs> snowboard, skiboard. <laughs> I got Wayman that's got like the the logo scar on his face right now that he's showing yeah. up from from like wicked snowmobile trip. It's, but it's my branding. It's the Varden Lightning Bolt brand. That's so right now. Like, are you into Yellowstone? Do you watch Yellowstone? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, it's basically the, it's the Varden. He's wire. got the brand. Yeah, so he's like, good. I'm, I'm, I'm the rip of Varden, essentially. <laughs> he's the heartthrob, man. He's the heartthrob. So. No, thanks for letting me be here. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So. Um, any final words? Uh, no, let's just, uh, let's, uh, pray for more snow so we can have lots of water, but then get ready for golf season. Yeah. Pray for snow so that it keeps the grass green on the golf courses. Golf That's courses. right. And the lake's full. Lake's full. Yes. All so. of the things. And let's hope for a Speaking quick Speaking of lake's full, we're going to need a few seasons like this to really fill up the lakes again. Yeah. Powell and yeah. other lakes, but yeah. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. It's, man, such a good season. Yeah. Like just going up over into the valley and the snow banks are like taller than the car. Oh, that's like, it's been so long since it's been like that. Yeah. It's, yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, um, a couple commitments from us. We're going to try to reach out to Rob Deere and Oliver Young. And Little Texas. And Shout little out Texas. to Little Texas. Right. Yes. Okay. Those three. That's why we're going over it. <laughs> we're going to do that. 
and we will uh, we'll report on that in a future podcast. Love it. All three of those. Okay. Sweet. Awesome. Till next time. Yeah.